San Diego First Church, so good to be with you again in our First Impressions podcast. In this, we look at the uh, sermon text for this upcoming Sunday. Uh, this would be the, uh, is it the third? If I'm getting this right, yeah, the third Sunday of Easter, uh, in which we are looking at 1 Peter chapter 1, 17 through 23. And as always, I'm here with Pastor D. Kelly. Great to be with you, Matt. I'm always glad to jump into a new passage and uh, dig a little deeper. Yeah, always fun to be with you discussing the uh, the passage that you will be preaching from this Sunday. Um, and just so that we're all on the same page, I will read from the NRSV uh, out at um, 1 Peter chapter 1, 17 through 23. If you invoke as Father the one who judges all people impartially according to their deeds, live in reverent fear during the time of your exile. You know that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your ancestors, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without defect or blemish. He was destined before the foundation of the world, but was revealed at the end of the ages for your sake. Through him you have come to trust in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your father and hope are set on God. Excuse me, your faith and hope are set on God. Now that you have purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, so that you have genuine mutual love, love one another deeply from the heart. You have been born anew, not of perishable but of imperishable seed through the living and enduring word of God. Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Uh, so D, uh, there's a lot here in First Peter in this section of the first chapter. What is your first impression of this? I'll give you my two first impressions that um, really are um, important uh, bedrock pieces in my faith journey. Um, the the first one, um, and it's not an order of how they appear in this passage, but the first one is in verse 20, where it talks about Christ being chosen before the creation of the world. Mm. Um, I mentioned that in our podcast a couple days ago, uh, looking forward to this date. And um, I have thought that this plan of salvation Sometimes we feel like it's God's um, fix-up plan for mm. how we screwed up. Yeah. And uh, we've never quite been able to figure out how to do it right. And God's put in God's plan number 5,632 to try and save us. And yet here, Peter is actually saying something that is so powerful that God has been all about reconciliation and mm. restoration from the very beginning. Yeah. And it's not, it doesn't seem to me if it's in place from the very beginning that it's restoration of something that has been ruined. It is restoration in the sense of that's the plan for wholeness. That's how we move to that space of being made whole and complete and how we're created by our own will finally choosing and acknowledging God's 
best yeah. for us. Yeah. And so this plan was in place before any creation happened. Mm. Christ on our behalf showing us ultimate love that we might ultimately love. Mm-hmm. That has been so formative in my life. Um and in some ways becomes so freeing that I'm no longer constantly evaluating myself on how I messed up, screwed up, um, did something again that uh, pulled me away from whatever God's best was, but instead seeing those things as steps in this process of God inviting me to something better, something more informed, something more closely connected to my identity, um, into the the storyline of God's self. So anyway, that's I, I love this passage um, because that truth has been part of my journey for a long time, and so it mm-hmm. immediately jumps off the page to me. Yeah. Another thing that's been part of my journey for a long time, and it's I love that it's in this particular passage, but is shortly before that, um, and it reads slightly differently uh, depending on your translation. Um, but the statement is made in, at the end of verse 18. You were redeemed from the way of life handed down to you from your forefathers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think that there is a corresponding psychological principle that is built on this truth. And that is that everybody eventually needs to individuate from oh. their family of origin. Mm, yeah. If I It's am... a deeply psychological term there. What does that mean? <laughs> so um, we grow up in a family of origin and we are deeply connected to patterns that are part of that family of origin. And there needs to be a way by which children break away. Sometimes they do that by acting out and um, taking actions that strongly oppose the family system. Other times they are kind of pushed toward that by parents who realize the need for that movement. So sometimes it happens a little more um, dramatically. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it happens over a longer period of time. But it's always necessary that children become their own individuated, separate self from their family of origin. doesn't mean they don't have to appreciate it or that they don't love it. Yeah. But spiritually, what that means is God doesn't have any grandchildren. He only has children. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we need to become our own identity in Christ with our unique storyline separated from that which has gone before us. Mm -hmm. Because if we don't do that, then it will be an empty life. Mm. It will be filled with trying to satisfy the desires and preferences of my parents or what I think my parents' preferences are. Yeah. And this is an invitation to say, oh, God's invited me to have a direct relationship with my creator, not one that's mediated through my parents mm-hmm. or my pastor yep. or priest. Mm-hmm. Um, but a relationship in community, which is great, but it also is uniquely me. Yeah. And finding my unique identity and celebrating that 
And then hopefully the faith community comes around the individual and celebrates the uniqueness of that person as well. Yeah, and to join you in the psychological terms, uh, that would be that that real identity, that unique self, is probably what we would call the true self, right? Yep. That that this is actually how God has created and intended you, gifted you. And the things that come from family of origin or come from patterns of life that you think are the way that you should navigate the world. Culture. Or, yeah, culture or like coping mechanisms or yeah. uh, uh, things you uh, seek to attain that you have to like the whole fake it till you make it kind of aspect. <laughs> like uh-huh. those are false selves. And the individualization or I can't remember exactly the phrase you use, but that process of of – um, peeling off those false selves is not an easy one, uh, but it is a necessary one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, to your point, and that those are uniquely re- that you unique self is redeemed. That true self is redeemed. Yeah. And that is the that that is the self in which you were created and intended for in relationship with with Christ. And the plan for that was woven into the fabric of creation yeah. at the very beginning. Yeah. And 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 how powerful is that that who I really am, my true identity, peel away all of the efforts to try and please everyone around me, make other people happy, be consumed with not disappointing people, when I finally begin to discover the true me and to realize that that is the thing. Yeah for which God has been working for redemption, reconciliation, wholeness, that is mind-blowing, but also so freeing that now I can live without fear, but into the hope that last week was talked about in this passage, the living hope that's Christ. Mm -hmm. Christ's resurrection embodies the living hope Mm -hmm. that I as well am loved that way by God. Yeah. One of the things that is um, is one of my first impressions of this, and I, I obviously wholeheartedly agree with you in the, that the, this, uh, that Christ was elected for another word, um, designed for this function that, that the, that the word, the second person, of the Trinity, which actually shows up at the very end of this passage of the word of God, the logos, um, that its intent is this reconciliation. I think the difficulty then comes, and it's a, a probably more of a Pauline issue uh, in thinking about Paul's letters that he writes in the New Testament, of like, so then what do we think of happens before Jesus, right? Why didn't we get Jesus right out of the gate um, as the second person of the Trinity? Why have a whole history with the people of Israel and giving the law and... Um, the sacrificial system and exile and coming back from exile. Why does God journey this way with the people of Israel? And then there's these years of continual conquest by the Assyrians and the Babylonians and the, the Persians and the Greeks and then the Romans. And then you get Jesus. It's not, I'm not asking you to answer those questions. I think that's just one of the that's one of the things that I, I am. My first impression is to wrestle with that, yeah. wrestle with the like. So what are then all of this history leading up to, and how do we think of salvation 
for those who come, uh, who came before the second person of the Trinity was embodied and incarnate in Jesus Christ. Uh, and, and so that makes, I think that for me kind of like holds back my, um, like a superiority complex <laughs> around like, well, now we have Jesus and like y'all in the past don't know what you're talking about. I think it actually, and this is for me, I, I, the, the question needs to remain there for me to then remind myself to in, interpret the Old Testament or the Hebrew Bible in light of Christ and allow the Old Testament and the Hebrew Bible interpret the New Testament and kind of and, and shine a light yeah. both ways yeah. in in how to interpret the that um, that creative pre-creative design of God that is within yeah in the Trinity yeah I. I'm so glad that you didn't require that I answer that question. Yes. That, that was huge. Um, and I stayed quiet long enough for you to help <laughs> us hold that. Sure, well. sure, sure. I though would like to make one comment that is, um, I think stands a little bit opposed to what I grew up in a typical Western culture entrepreneurism I'm out for myself win conquer yeah. I, I am my own kind of mm -hmm. um, champion and to recognize that the context of the Christian faith is really built around language of community yes and typically we talk about our community like our church all of the people I'm with right now in church but it seems to me that this story of faith, this God creation, Jesus Christ community, um, that we need to look at community over generations. Yeah. And so the storyline of people trying to live under the law then becomes a powerful piece of my story as mm -hmm. I have tried to please God by living under the law and never, never lived up. To the expectations yeah so the futility of my individual life is connected to this thousands of year old story that is lived out over time mm -hmm. and it seems to me that god's gracious plan is that together yeah all of us are living out this story not just the community in 2023 yeah but a community over thousands of years yeah I don't fully understand that, mm -hmm. but I think it changes the way I think about Jesus in the middle of this. Yeah. Somehow going both ways is the storyline encompasses much more. I think and then in that regard, and I agree with that, what it prompts in me is then the the stewardship of this story oh, is well said. Uh really important. Yeah. And how we take these these ancient writings and 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 embody them here and now along with the spirit hmm. um and and be directed by the spirit of christ and and try to understand how we do as christ said that we're not getting rid of the law we're not abolishing the law but we are a part of the fulfillment of the law um and and having that generosity 
looking back in time, knowing that they don't know all the things that we now know. I was having this conversation with a student at uh, Point Loma uh, at the university and, and saying, yeah, uh, we have to be generous towards these ancient writers because they didn't know that the earth was round. The creation <laughs> itself was a sphere, right? They, they're coming from a, a geocentric understanding of the universe. Mm. And, and so they, they're in, there flows many other things from that. And to think generously about how we steward the story mm. going forward in time. A lot to chew on. I'm delighted about this passage. There's a lot here to chew on. Yeah, there and is. And I'm glad I'm doing it in a community with you, Dee. Thanks, Matt. <laughs>